Hello and welcome to Cruising for a Reviewsin, the podcast where I get a friend to watch a Tom Cruise movie they've never seen before and then review it with me. I'm your host, Cara Westworth, and today I'm joined by my mate, Bart. Hi, thanks for having me, Cara. Thank you, Bart, for coming. My pleasure. We have chosen a movie that, until I started watching Tom Cruise movies obsessively, I hadn't heard of, and I believe you had never heard of either. Never heard of it. Never heard of most of the Tom Cruise films, but this one in particular. So it is from 1981, and it is a movie called Taps, and I dare say most people listening to this, unless they're Tom Cruise super fans, have probably never heard of it either. It's just one of those movies that I don't think anyone's ever talked about yeah. in 20 years. Curiously, I think it's it's all capitals always, isn't it? Taps. Yeah. yeah. It stands for something that w- I tried to look up and I couldn't find it immediately, so I gave up. So it stands for something to do with military school. Mm. And yeah, that's about all we know about what the word taps means. As I said, I was expecting a film about plumbers when I came in, or maybe like an early, um, what was the one he was in, cocktail sort of thing? Yeah, about young beers. <laughs> was not expecting this. No, yeah, you came into this completely blind, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. It's just one of those movies that, yeah, never heard of, uh, probably never would have watched had I not been wanting to watch all the Tom Cruise movies. But it's kind of interesting because it actually has a very like stacked cast, but all of these actors before they were famous so mm. when they're all teenagers or in their early very very early yeah, 20s babies so tom cruise is um he's not actually the main character in this because this is his second ever film he plays a character called david sean uh the main character is brian moorland who is played by timothy hutton did you see where he was from no i looked up his imdb and i think he's just got one of those faces yeah i've probably seen him in like two or three law and order episodes as yeah. like a different baddie each time but yeah it didn't seem like he did much beyond like the early 2000s or something yeah so yeah didn't really know him from anything uh the next character who is a very famous man it is sean penn playing alex dwyer very young and not ha- not as hateable in this as he is no He's normal and <laughs> now we know him as an adult In 1981, I would have been like, this kid's going to go far. And I certainly won't grow up to think of him as a complete buffoon one day. (laughs) (laughs) Who else do we have in this? So the other two characters who are kind of major players would be J.C. Pierce, who is played by Giancarlo Esposito, who who people might know as Gustavo Fring from Mm. Breaking Bad and a bunch of other excellent things. What was he in? Oh, The Mandalorian. I'm like what? A, yes. What fun nerdy thing was he in? He was in Man- Mandalorian. Yeah, and that was fantastic. It that was, was part of it. fucking. What's it, the dark saber? Oh yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. The last, well, not the last character, and um, the last of the young boys. It would be Evan Handler played Edward West, which is very confusing because they're very similar names. So that actor you'd recognize from Sex in the City. Mm, Harry Goldenblatt. And very bold man, and not so much in this film. Incredibly bold, and like you know, not a good fit. For for Charlotte in the beginning, <laughs> so it was playing towards. But I think once she got over her hang-ups and, and he could see how committed she was to uh, converting to Judaism, it was probably the strongest relationship in the show, I think. Wow. So, bit of sex in the series, <laughs> I've watched so little of that show. Like, I recognised him and you're like, wow, I'm not bald there. And I'm like, hang on a minute, I recognise that face. I was never really into it, but strangely it's a show that I've been watching recently to fall asleep to. Oh. Because you never really have to be up to speed with what's going on. Mm. All the episodes are so inconsequential. You and each character just was like, this is my stereotype. I'm going to. Yeah, yeah. It will. I don't want to go off on a tangent, but it, a lot of it doesn't hold up well. <laughs> and it <laughs> wasn't that heard. It wasn't that long ago, that show either. And you're just like, oh, you're throwing the. Okay. 
Yes, I digress. But he was fantastic, and he's fantastic in this as well. Uh, did you ever watch the movies? No, no, no. I hear they're worse than the show. Like <laughs> the, the one in the Middle East apparently is just the worst. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying that I'm enjoying my uh, recent watching through of Sex and the City. It's a curiosity for sure. Certainly yeah. better than Friends. Yeah. Anything on that? Anything's better than Friends. All right, so let's get into Taps. So it is directed by Harold Becker, who has directed not a lot, but I saw he directed Mercury Rising, was one oh, of the most right. famous ones I could see. Yeah. And there was one, i just forgotten the name of it. It was like this moody movie about like a teenage boy who's lost his way because of a hot girl that's um, staying at his house. But it was called like, oh, it had the most amazing title and I've forgotten it, but it was um like Galaxy Quest or something like <laughs> It was really nothing like what you I'm like, is yeah. this space movie and it wasn't uh yeah so i don't really know much about harold becker um he only directed about 12 films well this one in a way is also about uh like a steamy sort of adventure of a boy losing his way except instead of a girl it's the military industrial complex that <laughs> it's pretty that, much uh, it's, seduces him it's summed up so yeah it's set at bunker hill military academy yeah it's basically about boys in military school and mm. it starts off seeming like it's pro-military and by the end yeah not so much now, Bunker Hill is a real place, so I'm not sure how that all sort of fits in, whether they were like, I don't know if they filmed it on location there or whether it came out and the people who worked at Bunker Hill were like, hey, that's, this isn't a very good reflection of uh, what we're trying to do It was definitely here. filmed at a proper military school. Mm. I would assume it'd be at that one. I, the, yeah, I, the statue budget alone, if they hadn't filmed yeah. it at a... Oh, yeah. They, apparently they wanted to film at another one. Or maybe they wanted to film at Bunker Hill and they said no because they knew that part of it was going to get destroyed and even though it was going to be rebuilt, they didn't want to do that, so they had to film it somewhere else. And apparently because there was a Screen Actors Guild writers, what do you call it, not protest, what's the word? they stop work? <laughs> strike. Strike, yes. A strike. A strike's it, just a sassy protest anyway. Yeah, so. it is. <laughs> so they actually, it held up production by a lot longer than it should have. So from then on, no military schools will allow filming because they're like, that fucking taps, that ruined. Mm. Yeah, so it was only meant to go for a certain amount of days and it went blew out to 60 days or something. So if for some reason you're wondering why films aren't shot on military school grounds yeah. anymore, that's why. Taps. Yeah, it was the, the war in the Falklands, uh, the Bay of Pigs invasion with that, the the Cuban Missile Crisis and TAPS were the three <laughs> biggest setbacks for, you know, militaries worldwide. So it was a huge uprising after TAPS. Oh, so, before we yeah. jump on as well, there was also um, George C. Scott. As, oh, yeah, I did write that. George yeah. C. Scott plays General Harlan Beish. Beish? Beish? I, I thought they were saying beige, beige yeah. for a while. Beish? I think a few of the actors had their own take on his name, yeah. which I always like. He was quite a, um accomplished actor at that stage, I think. I mean, like, I've only seen him in... Dr. Strangelove. He was um, in a few things and he often plays generals. Yeah, yeah. And kind of a similar character to this one, but with a completely different tone, obviously, to, mm. um, to Dr. Strangelove. But yeah, it was very interesting. I think he was typecast a little bit, but plays the part well. Mm. Except for the time he played, I found that there was a movie in 1996 called Titanic that isn't the Titanic that we all know that had him as the captain and had Tim Curry and Catherine Zeta-Jones in it that I've never heard of. Like I'm just imagining, so it's a complete... Uh, like was the same? Was that the same year as? I wondered, no, no. I, oh, okay. I was recently obsessed with that movie. And Eleven. Yeah, it was the same. It was year. the same year, it was right? The same year. And I wonder if it was a direct transfer. Like Tim Curry is Jack Dawson, <laughs> and that was his name. Was it? No, no, was it Rose Dawson? Anyway, Tim Curry's yeah. Jack, Catherine Zeta Jones is Rose, and uh, yeah, George C. Scott is a captain. It was, yeah, wild. I, a threes company sort of thing. It was just the three of them on the Titanic. 
yeah, George C. Scott was is the general, and he's pretty much the the main adult out of all this because pretty much the whole cast are teenagers uh, in this movie. Yeah, little boys, little boys doing bad things. The movie opens very like it's very boring, dry sort of introduction to this movie. Like it starts, they're in church, and it's like this really slow shot going mm. up the aisleway. You know, they have a church sermon, like a church sermon, and it was really a strange looking church. Like it had a lot of seventies flair to it. Very I feel Wes like it was, was it a vibe? Catholic church? No, I, I think it looked a bit more Protestant or something. I don't think Catholicism has those sort of trappings, especially in America. But it had like a really, like, you saw those velvet red carpets and like a really 70s sort of flair that was tiling on the floor. Mm. Like it looked like a very groovy sort of church as far as church. Yeah, it was pretty, like it was a big sacred heart or something in the background and what did you describe as breeze blocks on the side? (laughs) It had breeze blocks, I think. A little sunken lounge. Like it was a bit of a swingers church. But I I thought it was a pretty interesting shot, that uh, that long one coming in. Or it at least gave the uh, impression that um, it set the tone for this is... This is going to be a serious film you're yes. about to watch. Oh, definitely. And it just continues where it's basically it's surrounding the graduation ceremony of the boys at this military school. So we are introduced to the main character, Brian Morland. He's hanging out with his roommate, Alex Dwyer. They run into David Sean, Tom Cruise's character, on the stairway. And he's like, hey, we're playing D&D tonight. And they're like, no. And he like gives him the finger. And I just love the idea of Tom Cruise playing D&D ever. It makes me very I know. happy. <laughs> I know. And he was also so mad. When they rebuffed him, they're like, no. So he swings around and gives Sean Penn the finger. It was clear he was hard up for that session of D&D and then he dashed his dreams. (laughs) But they should have have known because basically he was going to meet with the general and be made major cadet. So the head of the cadets, I guess, would be implied in major cadet. Is there rankings between? I guess there is because they were all... Yeah, yeah. I don't think they went into any of the rankings apart from his. We saw throughout it that there's a bit of a hierarchy, especially with some of like the ones who were like seven years old. Yeah. You wouldn't... (laughs) That could have been a good one, like baby, baby major, like, yeah. like it's a bit of Doogie Howser. Yeah. It's the youngest ever, uh, like major boss baby. Cadet. But yeah, yeah. I guess it's maybe, maybe age. Like once you once you're in the final year, you get to lead the the boys with the red berets and things. Morland is up to get this coveted, you know, award. Like he's the the head boy kind of thing. I guess it would be the equivalent. He has a private dinner with the general and the whoever was the major cadet who's leaving the school now. Yeah, something. And, you know, it's all very posh and they have brandy and they set it. They have brandy. Yeah, there's a lot of talk of honour. I didn't know it at the time, but it was very much a tone-setting scene. It was quite dry and a little bit boring. Yeah. You know, talking about what makes a man in the heat of combat. Yeah, like it was boring. But I watched the first, like, half an hour of the movie before you came just to refresh our memory and watching it again straight away. I'm like, oh, there are things that come up very, very quickly about the plot of this movie. So, yeah, it was very boring, but it was all foreshadowing for things that are going to happen. So uh, like one line that was, um, which ends up being used a bit later, is that people will respect the rank, but they won't respect the man unless he earns it, which is basically the point of this is a young man trying to prove himself. Yeah, big foreshadowing there. Yeah. Uh, and he also says that he pooed his pants in Korea oh, like, yeah. in the Korean War. <laughs> That's right. He lost yeah. 20 pounds, all brown. All brown, baby. <laughs> that was a really good line. Yeah. Yeah, he only shares that after he's had a couple of brandies, it seems. <laughs> But it's, I guarantee it's not the first time he said it to a, a, a new 
this shit. Oh, I bet he says has all the same lines about like the, the cigar line about yeah, how he's... my doctor permits you one. This is my third. Yeah. Wonderful. So when he returns to his room uh, to sort of, you know, have a little gloat because he's now the fancy boy of the school, mm. David, uh, I've got to remember. So we're going to call everyone by their surnames, but for some reason for Tom Cruise's character, I kept writing David, which is his first name. Yeah. I, I know him as Sean. Okay. I'll try and say Sean. Yeah. If, if anyone's confused why we're saying David and Sean, it's the same character. We can also just refer to him as Cruz, Tom Cruise, TC. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, from Timothy. I like calling Timothy, him Timothy. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, old Timothy barges into the room, and we see that what's his name, Dwyer, can't yeah, stand. Sean, yeah. He's like, "Fucking, what? Can't you knock, you prick?" And that sets up for their uh, disagreeing throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah, Timothy's uh, super excited and wants to take him out to the hallway to show him a special surprise, which is a lot of pomp and ceremony of all the Red Beret boys mm. doing a very show-offy. How do you describe it? I'd call it like gun cheerleading. <laughs> <laughs> or like rhythmic gymnastics. Yeah, okay, they were, that's a good one. They were spinning their rifles around. It, it was all very impressive. Kneeling a lot uh, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's his name? Mo- Morland has like a tear in his eye like, oh, yes. All the yeah. pomp and ceremony I could possibly need for my new position. i got to say at this stage, I was getting a kind of Dead Poet Society vibe. Like, it's like, is this going to be a story about young men finding themselves? Which it is in a way, but my initial thoughts were kind of quickly brushed aside as it yeah. went on as well. Just facing that first intro is like yeah boys in military boys, school yeah. f- figuring themselves out but not in such horrible circumstances as they actually do mm. um sorry we're spoiling this movie so well in advance but this movie's a bummer <laughs> it was I, I i liked it but it's a bummer yeah the graduation ceremony happens and <laughs> there's so much pomp and ceremony like you pointed out that every time they changed an outfit and had a new outfit for whatever okay. thing they were doing. So at this stage, we're up to the third uniform change. So we start with the opening graduation and they're wearing their church military yeah. gear, I guess, which had more lashings of white sashes. Then we cut to the parade where they're wearing like a Navy regalia and all of them have different helmets depending on what regiment they're in. Some of them are on horses. Then he's wearing his dinner military garb that he goes to see yeah. With. Then he's back at his dorm room and they're congratulating him and he's taking off his garb, presumably to put on like the pajama uniform or whatever. <laughs> no, I bet they have pajama they uniforms. Definitely, yeah. So that that was already four scenes and four different types of uniform. Yeah, they're never they're rarely in the same uniform more than twice, I guess. Yeah. Just every time, every time we look just at them, the then start. You, like yeah. I'll be bringing these up. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm gonna go through the full <laughs> oh, yeah. outfit oh, wardrobe yeah. of this. So as the general is doing his big speech for the graduation, it turns very somber very quickly. He says that basically the military school is being closed. The board of trustees have decided that. They're going to sell the land for the real estate value, which he later says is for condos. And they've graciously been given a year so that the seniors can graduate and everyone else can find a new military school to go to. And everyone's understandably very upset. Like, I guess most. No, I don't think. If I, just, I was told my school was closing, I would have been cheering, probably. Yeah, it would have been like, my biggest thought would have been like, what an inconvenience. <laughs> Not like, oh no. At this point, 1981, I was all of a sudden getting strong vibes that like, you know, a classic 80s film, we've got to save the rec center sort of thing. Thing. Yeah. Like, I'm like, are these boys going to have to raise money to save the, the military school? Well, it could have gone that way because when Morland goes to talk to the general, he's like, we'll pay them extra tuition if, it, if it's a money thing. He's like, no, it's already been decided. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, not even 100 car washes will fix this. <laughs> but 100 car washes later and they've saved the... Uh, <laughs> 
They've saved Bunker Hill, but no. They, they could have had their sexy military outfit car wash. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. They definitely would have had like a bikini one uh, <laughs> where it's got like, you know, the little epaulets on the shoulder, sash across the boob tastefully and stuff. But, but yeah. like, yeah, tied off and frayed at the bottom and there. Bring back the rhythmic gymnastics as well. Yeah, but <laughs> this is if we directed it, <laughs> unfortunately. A fun, sexy time. Yeah. Oh, we also didn't talk about how during the actual graduation ceremony, like obviously I said a lot of pomp and ceremony, but like, when certain characters walk past, like the leader of each company, they would look really intensely at the general and like mm. give him like come hither eyes, especially Tom Cruise. Like he yeah, yeah. They hold the sword up as they're almost about to kiss it. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, if this was your first viewing or your first introduction to Tom Cruise in 1981, you would have been like, who's this guy? Those eyes. What's so he So fucking doing? intense. Yeah. And had his full bushy eyebrow. Oh, yeah. 80. Yeah. And when then, did he start trimming them? Because oh, I've, the I've worked ones. it out. I've worked it out. I'm pretty sure the first was the first movie where you notice his eyebrows were mm. neatened up. So Because sometimes he has a monobrow as well. In those he has a monobrow. Like yeah. he, he, for most of the 80s, he has a monobrow. Until monotooth, monobrow is his thing back then. <laughs> just one of each. That's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's not a greedy man. He just <laughs> <laughs> so when Morland goes to talk to the general and asks why it's happening, the general's kind of like, oh, we're not, I'm not going to take this lying down. We've got room to fight. We've got a year. You know, things, mm. things can change. And he also goes into this tirade about mocking other people, men in his position who just retire and like takes the absolute piss out of golfers. <laughs> yeah, I think the line is he, he takes special umbrage with Lacoste. And yeah. he's like, I don't want to end up some guy with a polo shirt with an alligator on my tit or something <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah, that's what he says. Yeah. Just hit, hitting little white balls with metal poles. Yeah. Because, you know, playing golf is so much punzier than all of that stuff that was happening in the military where they were twirling their guns and they did little, little shuffly footsteps they were doing. <laughs> yeah, I think I said when this, the celebration, uh, the ceremony was happening that it was... Like, it was fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> There's also, I think, in this scene where, so they're in the general's office and he's talking about how these faceless people have signed off on this thing to sell Bunker Hill without without his even getting a say-so uh, and that it's like, you know, civilians, they wouldn't understand sort of thing. And it's the start of what, and something we'll get into as well, but this strange dynamic that the film sets up about military people versus civilians mm. and not so much in direct conflict but there's there's some points we'll get to it but that was the first time where i was like okay so is it like faceless corporation is is behind this or something are they going to build like you know is is the real estate the baddies but no he's just railing at yeah, non-military you're, you're saying like general. i think they think we're antiquated and we're redundant don't need it not need it anymore and i'm like yeah it's because it's true and if yeah. people realize that in the 80s like i think people have always realized that but this is like they're finally actually Thanks to capitalism in the, of the 80s, they're like, oh, we're big capitalism guys. Let's fucking mow this place down and make some condos, baby. Yeah, which is what I, the tone I was thinking. But it it wasn't corporations. It was everyone. Yeah. It was. Just, yeah, anyone yeah. who's civilians just don't get us proud military boys. And no, we don't. And I'm quite happy with that. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> There's a great scene that unnecessarily was in the shower room where the boys were all sort of discussing their futures and like the future of the school. And we got to see like the, the youngest boys were 12. So we see a fair bit of them. They're not really named. No, they're, those two. But they're, they're crucial characters. But yeah. yeah. Like we're seeing more of these boys nude than I, like just skimming mm. yeah, the hips and everything. I'm like, excuse me, this is really inappropriate. Until and we almost see D Tom Timothy, Cruise can fucking, bottom. fucking barges in and yeah. knocks them rotten and everything. A couple of them are like, oh, 
it's fine. This isn't going to happen. We're, it's going to be all good. And other ones are like, nah, guess we're finding another school. So everyone's kind of divided in what they think the future is. And then they're all getting ready for a dance. I don't really know what, like, is it? Is that something they always have? Is the final dance? Like, I don't think of a dance when I think of a military school. No, no. But, um, yeah, they were all there in a new outfit this time, a new uniform. Uh, and yeah, the dancing gear. Yeah, their <laughs> civilian girlfriends are there. So I guess civilians are okay if they're for... They're probably all from military families yeah, and stuff anyway. And all the girls are wearing almost the same pink dress. Yeah, well, they've got their own uniform, <laughs> military wives. You know, like they're like on yeah. the internet. It's a bit of a, a bit of a cult. That. Yeah. So while everyone's being like, everyone's being dropped off in taxis and cars and there are some normal civilians who are called townies in this movie, townies, yeah. which is an excellent word and I'm going to call everyone townies from now oh, on. please. <laughs> Just every time I go to near the city, I'm like, oh, these fucking townies over here. So they're taunting everyone who arrives. They obviously hate military. I, don't, yeah. I think it's just that they think it's punsy, not because they hate like military industrial not, complex. Yeah, or we're not, we're not sure at this stage because one of the one of the townies does throw out like a Nazi salute. Oh yeah, um, but they look like they're kind of loaded as well. It looks like they've had a few drinks mm. at this stage. Is this their Saturday night? Because it's not near anything. They would have had to get in their cars to come yeah. out with the express purpose of taunting the people at the military Maybe ball. that's because they don't get to normally see them come to the gates like that unless yeah. they know that they're going to be there and they can rib them. They were all quite sweaty as well. Like <laughs> this, is, this is going back to what General Beige was talking about when he's setting up this strange thing about civilians. And then a few scenes later, the movie's got this strange thing where all the townies are like absolute yahoos and all the boys at the military academy are like these immaculate gentlemen. It just, it just felt so, so, so sort of strange. I'm mm. like, is this? It was a weird caricature to, for them to, to take. Well, I think that's a good point in that I think they're setting it up to seem like that, but then to kind of tear it down a little bit later, which we kind of talked about while we're watching the movie together. A scuffle breaks out, so the townies get right up in the business, and Morlands kind of gets there and go, "You need to leave before we call the cops," and they're like giving little nudges in the yeah, chest, do it. and then they're yeah, scuffle breaks out. And then that's obviously licensed for all the boys to have a big fist fight. And we see the general, he runs down to break it up, but a townie kid jumps on his back and reaches for his gun on his hip, mm. grabs it, and in the scuffle, it's fired and it shoots the lead townie and kills him immediately. I'll give the general credit where he seemed deeply like shocked and saddened by this. Like, I mean, it would be, but, you know, he could have been like a stoic, like, well, you shouldn't have been here and blah, blah, blah. But he was yeah. genuinely like crushed that it happened. It was like, I'm so sorry. It was it was a moving scene as well. And he, yeah, he, he kind of said like, oh, I forgot. I didn't realize like the, the bullet was still in the chamber. Like he's taken the the magazine mm. out and but there's still a bullet in the chamber. I don't know how guns work. And so when he said that, I was like looking up, I'm like, how do, you- <laughs> how do guns work? Well, if anyone would know, you'd think it would be General Beige, but yeah. uh, I guess not. I think it's worth noting as well. Uh, that up and uh, like so far in the movie, there's been no music whatsoever. Oh, I didn't even notice that. From music that happens within yeah. the, the film. So at the start, we open with the church organ and mm. he's singing the choir, hymn, whatever you'd call it. Then there's some music at the parade, the fanfare of all the drums, and yeah. the, the trumpets and everything. But apart from that, it's so far a completely silent film. I'm thinking, okay, so this kid gets shot all of a sudden in the scuffle. Is there going to be this moment of music to make it dramatic or anything? But it keeps with this strangely silent ambience that goes throughout the whole film as well that was I think really unnerving at times and then at other times a little dull yeah because a, a few hit and misses on on that front so you can see what they're going for but maybe it wouldn't hurt you know gussy it up a little bit with some 
Well, we'll get to it later, but I think there's a strange, we'll come back to the music, but there's a strange in-between that they do at one stage, which um, which I'll touch on later. Okay, but. cool. I'm glad you noticed that because I'm really shit at noticing the music in movies <laughs> until I've watched it many, many times. Uh, so the general is held responsible, obviously. Um, he's taken away by the police and they find out, they're listening on a radio or something, that he's actually suffered a heart attack while at the police station and has been rushed to hospital and is in a critical condition. Next day, kids are leaving for summer break, so you know, last day of school that's a bit of a mm. exciting time for them um so a lot of you see a lot of the cadets leaving but a lot are staying for summer sessions so like do just a bunch of kids just never go home they just live however many years seven years whatever it is at or five years i guess it is because it's 12 to 17 18 i feel like that's part of the lifestyle honestly because yeah like you were saying you always thought of military school as a place where like you know the naughty kid gets yeah sent. like from malcolm in the middle and yeah. bill and ted like yeah. But this was definitely the career military school. These were clearly from military families. I think uh, Sean Penn's character says at one point earlier he could never be the cadet major because he's only half military because his yeah, mum's mom, civilian. Yeah, his mum's side was civilian or something. So it's definitely a cultish thing. So I wasn't surprised that some of these kids were like, "Yo, I'm going to stick around for the summer." Like, unbelievable. It's what they're into, I suppose. <laughs> like, you can't just like hang around, look at a pretty girl, and eat an ice cream. Like, nah, you got to fucking drill with guns all exactly. summer long. Exactly. And imagine how, do they have a summer uniform? Imagine that little summer. Well, you know they did. <laughs> you know they did. It would be like what you see like safari hunters wear. They'd have the little shorts, oh, yeah. you know, popped collars maybe a little bit, but there'd definitely still be the sashes and everything. Yeah. And the colourful berets would yeah. be an important part of it. That's more made of a mesh, so it's a little bit area to <laughs> breathe through. Moreland, who's obviously staying uh, because he's a big fucking army nerd he walks in on this i don't know storage room oh it's, no sorry it's the armory where there's a bunch of adults taking inventory i think one of them is the dean taking inventory of all the weapons and bullets and i don't know whatever else or is just in the a armory. guy named dean we never work that out <laughs> no, someone just say, says hey dean yeah it's like, could be could be either yeah maybe it was maybe his name was dean i just assume i guess at school the word dean like <laughs> Lousy Dean. Dean. (laughs) Morland is like, what's going on here? And they're like, you know, after all that, we take they want all the weapons removed, obviously, because children were shot on premises. Yeah. And he's like, but what about what we do about you know our summer session? Like, oh, there's probably not going to be a summer session. The adult Dean is kind of like, well, you know, after what happened, you know, he's like he's going to say the school's going to be closed, but he's like, no, 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 that was an accident. And so it's not until a little bit later we actually hear that the school is going to close. Morland is starting to like formulate a plan in his head Mm. because. He's like, oh, they're taking away all our stuff. They're not going to have us be here for summer. Okay, we need to... All their stuff as well is it's not just like some rifles for training. There was like mortars and like explosives, grenades and everything. Morland goes like, what about my Second Amendment rights? You know, the right to bear arms. It's like, I don't think a mortar is covered in that. And also, like, you're all children. You shouldn't be. That's not for a little gun in your hip. Like, that's like, if anything, not for the fucking semi-automatic rifles that you have. Jesus Christ. It's not until they're watching TV later that, they change the channel and see the news talking about how the school is now closing. Like the board has been like, absolutely fucking not. I'm sure we're meant to be starting with the protagonist of this movie, but I'm like, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Like it was going to close in a year and then someone died after the announcement. So now we're just closing. Yeah. And not only that, someone from outside the school yeah, a civilian. was killed by the head of the school. <laughs> Uh, like, like the fact they let them stay till the next day is yeah, quite <laughs> and it was being sold anyway so yes wrap it up sell sorry it, yeah, guys close, you've got all summer down. to find a new school the uh, the newsreader she was quite comprehensive as well she touched on all the details that really advanced the story <laughs> yeah. forward 
Uh, test trip. Yeah, so you don't get news like that anymore. Like very comprehensive journalism. And very specifically, the man who did the shooting is General So and So, and he is now in hospital after a heart attack and is not expected to survive. And we're like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. She loves setting up the drama as well. That's why she got into journalism. <laughs> so she people at home on the edge. So like of we their told seat. you, stop saying every single. <laughs> So the armory, so the dean dean goes back and with, I think it's a sheriff and someone else, they're there to pick up all of the weapons from the armory. But when they get there, the armory has been emptied. At the same time, they have also gone to pick up supplies. So Brian has sort of said, I've got a plan, but he hasn't actually, we haven't heard it yet, but we can start to gather what's going on. So they've sent out two trucks to pick up supplies. Armory's been emptied. When Morland confronts Dean and um, the sheriff and everything, he's like, gives him the conditions. The sheriff tries to arrest him. And then up in the rafters, all the kids with guns are like, and, you know, like, don't you do that. We're going to shoot you because we're taking over the school, baby. While the supplies being picked up, there is a situation where one of them stalls, one of the trucks stalls. And the townies are walking out of like a bar and grill. Yeah, the townies the are old back grill. Now. They seem to they seem to move in packs of 20. <laughs> 20 <laughs> riled up sweaty males at any time. With their cigarettes tucked into their arm sleeves. <laughs> yeah. Lots of flannel, considering it's summer too. They see these trucks and the military boys and they're obviously, because it's only the next, it's only been a day since, yeah, because Dean's like, this was here only a few hours ago, so it's only been a day. So yeah. obviously the townies have been drinking all night and are furious. So when they see some little military boys in their big vehicles sitting right there, of course they're going to be razzed up and go try and bash them. They so can't. That was a food run, was it? They were just trying to shore up some food supplies. Yeah, that, that was because yeah. yeah. that's what he, um, what's his name? Dwyer's kind of like, oh no no, it's just new new. The protocol when it happens, we're closing down, yes, but it's going to take a while to close down, so we need oh, some yeah, supplies to get us down. through. While Dwyer's trying to fix a truck, Pierce is in there and is starting to panic because the townies are advancing on them and basically there's another scuffle, lots of scuffling in this movie, mm. just non-stop scuffling and a few biffs in the face. And Tom Cruise comes to the rescue to fix this by firing his, I think it's like M16 or something. It looked it? like it, yeah. Just starts firing that into the air. Yeah. <laughs> and like you said, more crimes just tap pouring out of these boys. Yeah, this so at this stage, uh, crimes start flowing like crazy. <laughs> like, like the blood that will flow later. Yeah. <laughs> so, he, I mean, he does successfully scare off the townies and they... Understandably yeah, as well. Yeah, but like, I know. He gives those wild Tom Cruise eyes and... Uh, he, yeah, he's really he squats. Yeah. Like, he adopts really- a powerful stance, <laughs> spraying it in the air as well. One bullet probably would have been enough. Yeah. One little burst anyway. Yeah. But he kind of goes, yeah, berserk. He doesn't do half measures in uh, this film. No. Uh, David Sean is crazy. Like, that's the only way I can think of that. He's crazy about war and killing. Uh, he just loves killing. At this stage, though, I wasn't getting too much of bad signals from Tom Cruise. Yes, he was a bit of a hothead, but he seemed to be really admired by the other boys as well. Yeah. Uh, so Except was, for Dwyer. Dwyer thought it was a Yeah, dick. yeah. So there was very much a dynamic between those two, as you mentioned earlier, being Morland's closest friends with Dwyer, Sean Penn sort of being his good conscience and, yeah, devil and, and angel. Tom Cruise yeah. Yeah, being the more unrestrained gung Yeah, I style. guess they at this point still they only they see him as being like really loyal and mm. you know good at what he does, that kind of thing. But 
Yeah, that that shooting thing really like because when they get back to the base, back to the school. Oh, and he rams the sheriff. Oh, he right? rams. Yeah, they drive yeah. off. They all pour into one truck because the other one's not working. So then you have one truck full of supplies. Yeah, they race off, ram the sheriff's car, and go back. And Dwight has a big crack at him, but uh, mostly about the sheriff's car, yeah. not about firing a whole magazine into the air. He's like, "You ram the sheriff." It's like a vehicular collision is nothing compared to discharging a military <laughs> firearm in a public square. Like, which I guess if the police are going to get petty, they're like vehicle. Um, which they are. We know which, they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially sheriffs. Like if you know about how sheriffs are like they're elected and everything, fucking wild. Mm. America is wild. Oh yeah. yeah. Um. So they have a meeting. So all the the highest ranking boys, who I guess are the the oldest the oldest boys. I don't. I'm not sure how yeah. it works. All the the main ones I listed out. All the actors' names before they have a meeting and you know talking about the escalating situation and how you know we need to defuse it a bit. Mm. We need to stick to our guns, but also you know make sure we don't. Yeah, because things are happening fast at this stage. Yeah, like ramming, you know, the gun shooting and the ramming of Jericho. Yeah. Was a, yeah. That's more of a later in the in the game kind of thing maybe. Yeah, they do ship they do ship Dean and those other dudes out. Like it's not a hostage situation yeah, they at this point. make a big point of, yeah, we're getting rid of everyone who's not one of us children with guns yeah. has, to, <laughs> has to leave because we don't want think, everyone to think it's a hostage situation, which doesn't really help because everyone assumes the younger boys are being held hostage because mm. why would little boys want to be there instead of eating ice cream at home and with their mums giving exactly. cuddles? Cops come blaring. They surround the school. They won't listen to any of the demands. One of the little kids, not one of the main two little kids, like the the third one, panics and surrenders immediately, which is absolutely the point. I would have left as early as I could, but that would have been like the latest point that yeah, I left. That was me as well. <laughs> Bailed out of here. Or like a little just sneak out. Like the grounds look really big. You could just be like, yeah, hey guys, I'm going to the bathroom. And then just like leg it yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> eggs or something. Just these swinging doors yeah. in the distance. <laughs> Can I jump back a sec when mm. we go back to the supply run they did in town? Yeah. New outfit. Uh, was it? Yeah, they had those little purple pointed berets on now. Oh. It was like a, a faded sort of purple with black shirts. So I think that's their grocery store outfit when they go to the market to get the food. They're running errands. <laughs> so, yeah, that's another wardrobe change we've seen. So oh, I don't I know how even... big their wardrobe. Oh, yeah, because I remember he's dorms. sitting there squatting. He's, yeah, actually, yeah, you're right. That's a whole different fucking outfit again. <laughs> yeah. That's a blending into civilian population outfit. Exactly. I think they figured maybe the uh, the sort of faded purple is less intimidating for these uh, simple-minded townies. Yeah. But, uh, obviously, it didn't do anything to diffuse the situation there. No, absolutely not. Uh, drunk men f- covered in flannelette, they're not going to stand mm. for these tight black they shirts. They purple. And- <laughs> uh, amazing. They think they're doing like pretty well because they're told it's announced like they've got a radio going and it's announced that there's like a delegation there for negotiation mm. and they're like, sick, we did it, guys. Yeah, what were their demands? They just want to talk to the body corporate or something, right? Yeah. It's, it's, not, even a, it's not even a big deal. It's I don't like, actually know what they're doing. Like, he's like, we he said them real fast yeah. and only once. Yeah, so I I miss that completely. I just like, don't sell our school, please. Like, yeah, don't sell our school, please. Can we talk to uh, someone in charge? Which, yeah. Which isn't unreasonable, but at this stage they've committed a bunch of crimes. Also, the, the focus is they've stolen all the armor, an armory, like a massive room. This yeah. isn't some little dinky armory. This is a massive room yeah. full of big weapons. And also they're all 17 and under. So, yeah. you know, I wouldn't trust a 17-year-old boy with a cap gun, So let alone with machine guns and, and obviously because we see they can't be trusted. So, yeah, so the delegation that is arriving, they're really stoked on that, you know, they're going to be listened to, but it's actually a delegation of parents mm, led, they got led, <laughs> led by 
Morlan's dad, who we've ascertained is a military man himself. Yeah. You probably can imagine this goes this goes terrifically because obviously Morlan is really listening to logic and everything here. And his dad, he kind of tells a story about his dad telling him when his mum died, when he was 12 years old, before he joined military school, oh, yeah. that he when she died, he was permitted to have 15 minutes to cry and then he was never to cry about it ever again. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I, I think he said no more tears ever again, period. Yeah, so, that's what like, it was. That was no more heavily future traumas. You can cry for like you got to get them all. I was that. expecting Mulan to be like, and I never cried again. Yeah. <laughs> like, because that's what it seems like. So yeah, obviously this is going to go real bad. So he, they go to negotiate with his parents. So it's like one military guy and all these shrill, panicky parents, mostly yeah. mums. Now who, at this stage they've put on their camo gear. So that's another. This, I, I understand this outfit change because they're getting they're getting down to business now. Uh, they're trying to look intimidating, but it's just more wardrobe space that they don't have in the dorms unless. <laughs> How big, picture how big the weapons room is. The wardrobe must be three times that. <laughs> what, all the hats? So like, many hats. The hats take, Some of them not, had They're not feathers? allowed to just, to just stuff them in a box in the bottom of your wardrobe. Like, no, that's... you'd be court-martialed. <laughs> Oh, Lord. So they go to talk to the parents. He, yeah, very strict military man, and they immediately get into an argument. So, mm. like, he, he's trying to be, like, he's trying to be fatherly, being like, yeah. oh, you know, you've grown a bit. It looks like you put in a few pounds. You look great. And he's like, why are you here, Dad? There was that also a, a weird, kept reinforcing the strange uh, military versus civilian thing because the civilian parents were there, and they'd be absolutely mortified. And one of the mums is like, can I speak to my boy or something? And the dad, who's taking it upon himself to be the negotiator for all of them is like shut up i'm talking like oh yeah like <laughs> damn townies like <laughs> one of them really cracks it and says well great it seemed like you ra- raised a real piece of shit like you and that's when he's like stop white noise behind me yeah like, yeah too much static <laughs> so it just goes terribly they start arguing and so the dad has a series of good points put across terribly which is he's he's telling the son why don't we just say that you had a good idea and it was executed badly yeah but the dad does the exact same thing where he's like, I'm trying to negotiate and be reasonable here, but also I'm going to make fun of you the whole time. Like, you know, we could come around here. I could snap your neck. They actually said I could snap your neck. Yeah. And then I could kill. And it's like, what would happen then? It's like, well, you'd be shot. And then the next person would come like, and I'd sh- kill you all. Like, yeah, yeah. He, um, he definitely went about it in the wrong way, but this scene was quite illuminating for me because all the way up until this point, I couldn't quite peg the direction the film was going in. It still to me felt like, you know, a red dawn sort of thing where like the plucky, cadets are gonna rally together and it is these corporate interests who are wrong and they're gonna save the thing all all based on this sense of honor and everything but the, the Morland says like you know um, uh, general beige and dad says like general beige is frankly an idiot like he's got this reputation of being like a man who's just out for his own ego and everything and like you know he's been shipped from one place to the next and that's when i was like oh okay i i see now it's about a cult of personality rather than these military things they all bought what this wise general was saying but that, that was the moment that it clicked to me it's like oh they've just backed the wrong horse these kids have just been like sold to the wrong message not so much military brainwashing which definitely comes up but i think it's this one man's delusions yeah because he, he really instills in Morland like this whole thing about honor and standing and what standing up for yourself and you know i think at some point something about there's worse things in death like 
mm. dishonor and everything. And so that's why Morland, who is still a child pretty much, yeah, has taken what, like these messages 17, and he's yeah, so he's taken them and decided to implement, you know, things that a grown man would probably struggle with, but he's, you know, I my general said all these wonderful things to me mm. and I think he was telling me something, so I'm going to do them. Yeah. Cuz yeah. he also yeah, says the next person who ranks after me is you yeah. as a cadet major. So, yeah, he's this guy who even though he seems like a really almost as far as a military man can go, but like almost a bit fatherly, like he's quite kind yeah, I to think the boys. Yeah, he says that at one stage, like you boys are like my sons yeah. or whatnot. So, yeah, because he's like that, that, that's why they're taking this terrible message away from him. Mm. And, wow, this whole situation fucking gets the where it is. Yeah, yeah, because it wasn't at that moment. I'm like, slow down, everyone. Why is this happening? And then when the dad reveals that, like, you know, Beige has this, Beige, Beige whatever his name was, has this reputation as being a bit of a narcissist, delusional sort of egomaniac, it clicked with me. And I'm like, mm. okay, so this is this is what's happening. It's not because the, the writing is, is sort of rushing this situation or Morland's just a straight up idiot. It's yeah, they've all been sold this um this grand ideal from kind of kook. And it's also it is just a school. Like it's not as if yeah, it's yeah, the military yeah. isn't disbanding. Like it's no. just this one and, school. And it is just a school. They're gonna yeah. yeah, yeah. And the dad also points out like we could shop tea got gas canisters in there and everyone be wetting their pants and wanting to leave, which is foreshadowing. Because yeah, like it's at the moment, it's it's fun and kind of exciting, but yeah, at some point the boys are gonna twig that this sucks and want to leave. Yeah, yeah, big foreshadowing. Anyway, they get into a big fight. Morland's dad gives him a big slap on the face. So even though he was trying his best to defuse the situation, he probably made it ten times worse because mm. he doesn't know how to be a dad. I mean, this kid is at school all the time, and he does say in that previous conversation about his mum, like yeah, he respects him but doesn't like him kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, really f- fucks up that situation. So the parents get no resolve and. And the boys are more determined than ever to see mm. out the thing that they decided to do. Yeah. I think it was at this stage that the film had some music that wasn't quite... So you know how I was saying that every piece of music that existed, when they went to the dance later, it was mm. just like, you know, the classic dance music in the background. At this point, it started playing some music that wasn't wasn't happening in the universe as the boys all assembled for parade. You couldn't see them singing it, but they were singing a song about how Moreland is our man sort of oh, thing, like yeah, that marching yeah. thing. Yeah, and I thought that part was really cool. Like like all of a sudden, this film that hasn't had any outside soundtrack has this moment brought in. Because at, at, at this stage, the boys are all like, he's our guy, hey. Like, yeah. They're all in this 100%, except for that little kid who ran away at the start. Well, the he smartest does, kid. Yeah, he does that thing where he, uh, he gets them all and says, people think you're being held as hostages. If anyone wants to leave, you can leave now. And they're all like looking around at each other like, yeah, we're staying. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's when it came in after that. No one leaves and they do a bit of face ride or whatever it is and they, they march off and they're singing that song like, dun, 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 you know, that yeah. classic, yeah. But with his praises in there. But you don't actually see them singing. I thought it was like, yeah, a really good uh, filming technique. There were some good ones in this film. Mm, for a film that no one knew about. For a film that no one knew about. <laughs> well, um, I've just noticed the time. And for a movie that doesn't have much Tom Cruise, and for people who don't know heaps about war and, <laughs> yeah. and army shit, uh, we've talked a lot more than I expected. So we're actually, it's not a thrilling place to end the mo- the podcast episode, but... Oh, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, we've got this... School full of boys that have access to guns. machine guns, mortars, Grenades. whatnot. They've basically just rebuffed uh, the first negotiating tactic. You know, they're clearly hired up for some sort of fight as Morland keeps, you know, instilling a sense of honor in them. I think it's a pretty good cliffhanger, honestly. Yeah, actually, you know what? You're right. I shouldn't undersell a seller like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, we'll leave it 
there for now. But do you have anything you want to share, like your social media or anything? Oh, I guess you could go check out 8-Bit Bart. That might light a fire under my little bum and get me to yeah, some your, stuff. Yeah, your art's great. It's the, yeah, everyone go look at Bart's art. COVID hasn't been kind to any of us for motivated. Like some people got motivated oh. to do things. A lot of us absolutely did not. And uh, that's fair enough. Yeah, COVID will do that and that's fine. Uh, if you want to find me on social media, it's Tom Cruise Reviews on Instagram. It's Tom Cruise Review without an S on the end on Twitter or check out my website TomCruiseReviews.com We'll be back next week with part two of our review of TAPS. Thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thanks.